Talking God with Uncle Luke. That's what we're doing. This week, this episode, Mr. Salty. So come on in. Let's check it out. Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to 35. All the bubbas of the world. We got one mission in mind. Welcome to the Biblical Channel. We are always glad somebody's showing up because, hey, number one, we just want people talking God. Because if people start talking God, man, the world starts changing to a better place. We've seen that over and over again for the last 2,000 years, even the previous 2,000 years when uh, Israel was the thing that God was doing. Uh, people that came in contact with talking God with Israel oh, only improved things. Talking God from the Bible, that will make the best of this life. That's what we believe. That's why we're into this thing. Uh, we want people to read their Bible. We want people to say their prayers. We want people to get together and talk God, man. And, you know, when we talk God, it ought to be as easy as talking sports, fishing, you know, whatever the case might be, fashion, uh, because actually we as human beings are the substance of conversation and social being. That's who we are. And so we ought to be including God talking into this thing, not to drive people nuts, not to argue, but to just enlighten the room, you know, to bring some, some goodness to the room. So to all the bubbas of the world, we just want you to talk God. We're trying to get people from the bullshit to the holy shit. And we promise you the Bible and what God has to offer in the Bible lifts our spirits and, and ups our game to a new reality. And that's called God. Well, anyhow, uh, we, we just simply want to get ourselves to pray like Mary prayed, and that is that our soul would magnify the Lord, that our spirit would rejoice in God, our Savior, that we would actually pray like Jesus prayed, saying, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our, uh, the, those who sin against us, and lead us not into temptation. Lead us, Lord, lead us. Okay, so we got a great passage Um Coming up here, we call it Mr. Salty uh, because Jesus himself is going to end this scene. He's going to end this conversation, um, at least this particular episode that Uncle Luke is telling us all about because Uncle Luke is a player there. <clears throat> Uncle Luke is on the scene, man. Uncle Luke has, uh, you know, talked to people and he has gathered into evidence. He has walked and talked with the apostles, you know, and he is their right hand man to get this story straight and written down. So that's why we go to Uncle Luke. And that's why we call him Uncle Luke, because he's just telling us a good story like a good uncle does. Well, anyhow, the story of all stories, really. But in this episode, Jesus is going to land on this thing by talking about salt. In fact, he's going to say salt is good, but if it has lost its taste, then it ain't no good. That's basically what he says. If salt isn't salty, then it's not salt. It's no good. Throw it away. It's not even good for manure. It's not even good for the fields. It's not good for anything. Salt is meant to be salty. And Jesus himself is going to be Mr. Salty himself, and he's going to encourage us to be Mr. Salty himself. So, uh, or ourselves, rather. So when we come to, you know, this moment, it's actually a continuation of the previous moment. So if you didn't catch last week's talk, go back and listen to that. Um, and, and in that talk, you know, we called that Black Sabbath um, and Mother Hen. But this is still the same conversation that Jesus is having with an audience that is reclined at table. Then, uh, then the scene is going to switch out to a larger audience. But, but this is still in this invited captive audience where there are Pharisees. And in that conversation, Jesus backed them up against a corner and he made it very clear that they do not understand the Sabbath. And his healing on the Sabbath is about the Sabbath. And that he himself 
is the Sabbath. And God is the Sabbath. The kingdom of God is the Sabbath. That's why I need to go back and listen to last week. So the conversation is going to roll forward, but Jesus is still being very salty with the audience. He is poking uh, the human bear in the chest, and he is making it clear that we need to understand things the way he understands things. He is bold. He is brash. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, Jesus sees himself as God. I see him as God too. That's the number one thing. If you're gonna if you're gonna get the Bible right, you gotta understand that Jesus himself is presenting himself as God. And that's what we believe. That's what I believe anyhow. And I think that makes good sense. And I think that's a lot of fun. I think that's a lot of fun. Especially when, you know, people, you know, try to diminish the role of Jesus Christ in this world. Blah, 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 blah. I think, well, yeah, it's diminishing God. That's what you're doing. So anyhow, this conversation, though, gets gets uh, uh, even more electrified because um, he's already left them speechless. They cannot answer the question as to whether or not it is legal to heal on the Sabbath. Jesus is shaking his head saying, you, you people are absurd. So anyhow, when he tells, uh, you know, he tells now another parable. And when he tells this parable, um, he again is going to back them up to the corner and he's going to get very salty uh, with them. Uh, again, uh, this whole thing ends, you know, with with, uh, you know, Jesus talking about salt. And it seems as though Jesus is the leader leader of what it means to be salty. And uh, he is encouraging us to be salty. And that reminds me of a really fun redneck story I've got. I had two friends. One was super big, like, you know, the rock and one was super skinny, uh, you know, and and uh, you, you, OK, like a beanpole. Um, and and, uh, you know, these two friends that I had were both mouthy. And, and uh, the, the one that was the size of the rock, um, you know, when he would, you know, run across the other one who was, who was like a beanpole, he would call him Mr. Salty. And nothing was funnier than seeing, you know, my one friend who's huge. He would grab this other friend I had by the crotch and by the neck, and he would lift him above his head, <laughs> shake him around, twist him up. He would get him twisted to the point where we were like, man— you have this guy twisted like Mr. Salty. And so that became his new nickname, Mr. Salty. You remember Mr. Salty, the uh, the fun pretzel uh, box, you know, Mr. Salty used to be on everything, you know, standing there with his crisscrossed arms, you know, trying to be a pretzel. I, I don't know. Somehow the fun suckers must have got a hold of uh, Mr. Salty. Maybe uh, maybe there's uh, some, some deep embedded problems with the idea of a Mr. Salty pretzel. Uh, but anyhow, I like that for uh, our title here because Jesus being awfully salty and he's actually telling us how to be salty and he tells us we better be salty. We need to be salty. Because uh, if we ain't salty, then we ain't no good. We ain't no darn good. Okay, let's follow along how the conversation goes. So, so this is still in this you know setting where Jesus has been invited into the company of some religious leaders, and of course, there's more people there, you know. But uh, Jesus now has the microphone, uh, and he says um, a parable, tells them a parable. And I don't know about a parable, but, you know, this is pretty straightforward stuff. There's not a lot of unpacking to understand what Jesus is talking about. But he says, he, he imagines this scenario where he says, you know, imagine a guy who, um, you know, oh, no, he's, I'm, I'm sorry, wrong scenario. That's coming up. Uh, he says, uh, uh, imagine, um, you know, a wedding feast and uh, that you're invited to a wedding feast. Now, keep notice that Uncle Luke told us that Jesus already saw how people in this gathering had jockeyed for the places of honor. You know how that goes. You know, they wanted, everybody wanted the best seat, you know, in the setting. Everybody wanted to be seated next to the guy, you know, or the dude who they per, 
you know, perceived to be the most important in the room. And therefore, they wanted to line up in the most important places. And so they're all jockeying for position. You know, and Jesus is like this. Jesus is like, man, oh, my gosh, this is just how the world goes. Jesus is not impressed with that kind of behavior. So if that's the what you're doing, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself, I guess. But anyhow, Jesus is pretty scathing because he, he notices that they're choosing the places of honor. He says, when, when you are invited to like a wedding feast or something like that, he said, don't sit down in the place of honor. No, 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 no. Lest someone more distinguished than you come along and say, oh, you got to move down. That's embarrassing. But he says, hey, here's the best thing to do. Pick the lowest spot in the room. Pick the lowest seat, the worst seat in the house. You go there, and it just might happen that somebody says, hey, brother, you need to move up. Hey, sister, you need to move up. Let somebody else do that work. But you, you get the attitude and the mentality of going in and assuming the lowest place in the room, not the highest place in the room. Don't go into a room to impress everybody. Go into a room, you know, with a little humility because exactly uh, that is on the line. Jesus says, in the end of it all, in the end of it all, everybody who exalts themselves is going to be humbled. And those who humble themselves will actually be exalted. So the principle that Jesus just laid on the line for his audience and for us is you need to develop the ability to humble yourself. That's what being salty is all about, being able to humble yourself. If you can humble yourself, you are being salty. He also uh, uh, said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet and don't invite and, and do not invite your, I'm sorry, I messed that up. He said, when you invite you know, or have a banquet or a dinner like this, you should not invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives or your neighbors, lest they also need to be repaid with a dinner, blah, 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 blah. He says, no, 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 no. If you really want to be salty, which you should be, because that's how it's going to end this thing, saltiness. If you really want to be salty, you know what you ought to do, brother? You ought to give a feast and invite the poor and the crippled, and the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. And you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Do you hear how Jesus is talking? He is talking from the place of God. And the place of God has incriminated not only this audience, but you and me both. Jesus is basically laying on the line. Every dinner, every feast, every banquet that you have, that you have just for your friends and, you know, those who are rich and those who you like, everyone, it's good. It's not, it's not awful. It's just that it doesn't mean anything. From God's economic standpoint, what actually means something is when you get out of your circle, your bubble, you know, your echo chamber and you actually expand into somebody else's world, especially the world, and here's where it gets really salty, the world of people who cannot repay you. Your generosity is on the line. Jesus says you ought to be doing things and holding banquets and feasts for people who are poor, crippled, lame, blind. You want to talk about being salty. You want to be salty? This is what being salty actually looks like. Take the lowest seat in the room. Take the worst seat in the house. And, and, and when you have a banquet, why don't you have a banquet and a feast 
for other people that cannot pay you back, people that won't, you know, blow sunshine up your bum, people that won't, you know, reward you for your, you know, good behavior, people that just need your friendship and they can't give anything back. Jesus says, this is the way the kingdom of God rolls, my friend. If you want to understand the kingdom of God, and this is what Jesus has been talking about from the top, he is talking about the kingdom of God and he himself and his role in the kingdom of God and what it actually means to be looking forward to the kingdom of God. So that's when the next scene unfolds. When the next scene unfolds, you know, this, the, the, the scene has gotten very tense. And, and a guy, I suppose, you know, is trying to relieve the tension that Jesus has just said in the room because, because honestly, Jesus has just indicted everybody. We are all guilty of this. This is how the Bible describes and is comfortable and why the Bible is, you know, why God is comfortable in describing us all as sinners is because we all do these kind of things. We do not look after those who are outside of our circle. We do not look outside, look, you know, look after. Uh, when we do, we're following the lead of Christ. When we do, we're following God's lead. When we do, we're doing great things, but that is not our natural habitat. Our natural habitat is to run in circles where we try to up our place in the food chain and, and that we do things to get repaid and we do things to, you know, get something in return and Jesus says, that's, that's this world, baby. That's not the kingdom of God. So now the conversation breaks over and a guy's trying to relieve the tension in the room. And he's saying, well, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus, right, 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 right. And Jesus, Jesus puts, you know, he's already got everybody on the ropes. And now he kind of puts the boot on the neck, so to speak, you know, figuratively speaking, he puts the boot in the neck because he says, hey, I've got another story for you. He says, uh, imagine this is the one with the banquet. Imagine a guy gives a great banquet and he invites a lot of people and, and he invites his friends, you know, and, and he invites people that, 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 you know, know him and, you know, they should come, you know, because that's the polite thing to do is to come if you've been invited. And, uh, and, and instead of coming, he gets a, a long series of excuses from his friends who say, oh, you know what? The first one says, I bought a field. I got to go out and see it. And then the next one says, he says, yeah, I bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go examine them. And then another one says, well, I, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Um, so the servant comes back and says, oh man, all your buddies are uh, uh, ditching you. They're ghosting you, baby. And the master of the house, you know, says, are you kidding me? You know what? Go out quickly and uh, and into the streets and into the lanes of the city and, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. There's even room yet. And, the, and, and, and so the master said to the servant, well, get back out there, my friend. Get out there and go into the highways and the hedges in the highway, in the hedges. Did you ever hear that song? Well, you should if you haven't, you know, but it's a good old song. In the highway and the hedges, I will be somewhere working for my Lord. Um, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in um, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Okay, once again, story only makes sense if you understand that God and Jesus are in the same place. And the parable is all about what God is actually doing. So the parable is about people, you know, starts off with people who actually know who God is and should be behaving differently. And they should be responding to his 
words, his commands, his his desires, his invitations, um, you know, if they understand God. And instead, they feel comfortable in blowing God off. And God says, that's okay. You do what you want. You do what you want. But you know what? You're not coming here. You, you got something better than God? Well, then you ain't coming here. That's your call. It's not mine. Instead, instead, God in this story is saying, I'll invite all the lowlifes in before you. Once again, this is the great reversal um, of the economics, the politics, and everything that this world operates on. Jesus makes it very clear that God does not operate on our political or economic uh, spectrum. God operates on the economic and political spectrum of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is quite different to the way this world works. And Jesus, once again, is making it abundantly evident that if you mess around, if you F around, you're going to find out something serious is going on. In fact, you know, he gets even more serious now. He says, let me just keep going here. And so the next uh, 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 moment, the crowds have now gathered around. I suppose Jesus might have been asked to leave after that. We're not told exactly that, but he's out of, the, uh, he's out of that audience. And he, now he's amongst the crowds. And he turns to them. And he's very pointed. He's very pointed in what he says. He said, listen, if anybody comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even your own life, cannot be to my disciple. Once again, this only makes sense if, you, if, if you're following and tracking along with the fact that Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, what Jesus is saying is that there is nothing more important on this planet, even your family, than God. You know, when it comes to a list of priorities in your life, we quite easily, a lot of, you know, a lot of people I know, you know, easily start off God, God, family, you know, country or something. I don't know what, you know, God, family, work, you know, whatever, God, family, God is at the top. God is over family which is uh, worth our thinking because oftentimes we stop growing with God because of whatever our family said. And Jesus, you know, is addressing the el an elephant in the room, and that is family is God's thing. God created family. Uh, it is his idea, you know, no doubt about that. It is next to God. In fact, you know, the idea of family and God are very difficult to even separate. And so if, if one asks the question, why is our society, you know, kind of losing touch with God? The answer is because they're losing touch with family. When a society is in touch with family, then it gets in touch with God because they're, they're, they're that close and they're synonymous. But Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is making it, you know, known that, that God is at the top. Mom and dad are not at the top. Brothers and sisters are not at the top. And you are not at the top. And that little word hate just drives everybody crazy. But Jesus means what he says, you know, and that is in the face of making a decision between God and mom and dad, you pick God. 
in the face of making a decision between God and your brothers and sisters, you pick God. In the face of making a decision between God and your children, you pick God. In the face of picking you know, a decision between God and yourself, you pick God. Now, what the fun suckers love to do is, is then move this conversation into the ridiculous. Uh, and, and let me just, you know, uh, give you a little example story that, you know, I had a friend call me and it's a good friend, you know, and, and, uh, you know, a little fight going on in the family between a brother and his, his parents and, and, and everybody started throwing out scripture. Um, and it was weird, uh, because, you know, you know, everybody was kind of citing the commandment. You got to honor your mother and father. And, and so my buddy called me and he's, he's like, Hey, I need a little help. And that's what all, all of us need help doing. Something We just need an outsider to listen to the story. You know what I mean? And to sort things out and just put them in line. There's no brilliance on my behalf here. It's just that I had a friend come to me and I'm like, I said, hey, here's the priority. You don't listen to mom and dad and you don't listen to brother if they're out of step with God. Um, you honor your mother and father. You honor your brothers, your sisters, you, your family. You honor them. Honoring them does not mean obeying them. Honoring them means you don't, you know, disregard them. You don't, you know, do anything that that hurts them. But ultimately, your allegiance is to God, not to family. So anytime the family, anytime the family or anytime you move outside of the boundary of God's will, which is love, which is love, well, then you're wrong. So so the idea and and the reason why Jesus is saying you know that that if you're not willing to hate your family in 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 lieu of God well then you, can, you you'll never understand God and you don't belong here one of the most uh, uh interesting facts about Christianity is is that you know and Israel as well but whether it was Israel or Christianity we are all encouraged to use the scriptures, the Bible, the book, the writings on our own in our direct relationship with God. That we don't come to God through others. Now, others help us to come to God, but eventually it's only the Bible that encourages God's people to make a direct connection between them and God. You don't go through family to get to God. You go through God to get to God. And that's what Jesus is putting on the line. And once again, once again, Jesus is making it very awkward because he's putting himself right there at the center stage. I'm cool with that. I don't know about the rest of the world. And so Jesus is saying, if you are going to be my disciple, you have got to be willing to put everything aside. And then he, you know, he, he says, he, he says, hey, listen, it's like this. It's like a guy who sets out to build a tower and he has to add up the costs and in adding up the costs, he's going to look like a fool if he doesn't have enough to uh, complete the project. You too must sit down and weigh the cost of what it means to be God's, to have God as your top priority. You have to understand what that means because it is costly. And Jesus says, he, he, he says, listen, you know, if you're not willing to bear your cross to follow me. Well, then you can't follow me. 
He also put it, puts it in terms of a king going out to encounter another king in war. And, and, and at the end of the day, if a king assesses that he can't get, get a victory, then he sends a delegation out way ahead of time to make negotiations for peace. And I think that Jesus is really putting us in that spot, that you have got to think about God in more serious categories, that God is calling you to a personal accountability. And that means you have got, this is the time where you have got to send your delegation to make peace with God because you cannot stand up to God. And, you know, God himself, Jesus himself is saying, you need to understand what this is going to potentially mean for you because the world at large does not understand God. If you make God your priority, if you make loving the lowly your priority, if you make compassion your priority, if you find, if you make all of God's values your priority, this world is going to chew you up. Jesus made it clear a while back that this world is like ravening wolves. It will chew you up, that we are like sheep because of our following Jesus Christ. He, it doesn't mean that we are to roll over. No, no, no. Jesus is like, you be salty, baby. You be salty. You get in there. But you have to stick with God. And following God means taking up your cross like Jesus is going to take up a cross. Following God means that you're going to follow like Christ into the wolves' den at times and get chewed on. God makes it very clear in the Bible from the front to the back that this is a vicious world with its priorities all upside down. If you're going to put your priorities correct, then you should. He is telling us. It gets weird and it gets ugly. Well, anyhow, Jesus lays it all out there very clearly. And he says, listen, you should be my disciple, but it's costly. It costs a lot. I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes, Jesus says. People are going to tread on you. <laughs> that reminds me of my shirt, you know, uh, you know, Babylon B. You couldn't talk about a saltier group of guys, but they are they are Jesus loving guys, man. Um, and, and, uh, you know, they are getting out there, they are being salty, but, uh, they, they do understand that, uh, well, you're going to get chewed on and they have been chewed on, you know, don't tread on B. They got locked out of, you know, what social internet world. And we, you know, at times we will too, um, only for the sake of standing up and, and, and doing what is good and right. And, 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 and even if that means, even if that means the people that we love the most, you know, we have to love God first. Now, a lot of people have, uh, you know, said, you know, you know, well, you can't take this religion thing too, you know, crazy because, you know, that, that, and I say, no, 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 you do go crazy with it. Here's, here's, but here's what Jesus, here's what the Bible encourages us to be crazy about. You see, if I love God more than I love my wife then that only makes me love her more. If I love God more than my kids, then it only makes me love them more. If I love God more than I love my mom or my dad, then that only makes me love them more. That's how it works. That's what Jesus is talking about. 
Costly love will cost you. Costly love will cost you in this world. He said, that's saltiness. That's the saltiness that Jesus himself is. And that's the saltiness that he is calling us all to be. Be salty. Be Mr. Salty, be Mrs. Salty, whatever you know, you know, acronym you want or whatever uh, uh, title you want to use. Doesn't matter to me. But be salty. Jesus himself is salty. Jesus lays out the priorities correctly. The only question is, do we have ears to hear what Jesus is saying? All right. We're going to end our time right there. We're going to go into the next scene. See you next time.